Would you rather smell farts all the time or anytime you turned on a light, it made a fart noise and anyone that was around truly believed that you farted and no matter how much you tried to convince them you didn't and that it was the light, they still believed that you farted. What's the first option? Just that I... Uh, You just smell farts all the time. Oh. 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 (laughs) Is it my fart that I smell all the time? No. It it's just, other people's? It, yeah, it just constantly I don't get to like choose. Farts. No. Oof. And you don't even know whose fart it is. Honestly, the light thing is now kind of tempting just because yeah. I can turn it into a joke. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking too. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, I farted, so what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, haven't? Yeah. <laughs> Loser. What, you guys haven't farted before? <laughs> <laughs> Try it out for once. Totally. <laughs> yeah, light farts for, for life. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Welcome back to Paranormal, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Nicolina. <laughs> I'm Marie. And we're here for a uh, full episode of Paranormal. And your favorite spooky stories are coming at you. And we're going to do, you know, some horoscopes and some fuck, Mary kills. And I don't know. Do we just want to jump right into horoscopes right, right all away? Girl, there's nothing <laughs> going on in my life to talk about. So let's <laughs> let's. Do Read it. our horoscopes. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got yours up here. Okay. And it says, you could have an urge to invent new things, Gemini. You feel compelled to create something in the artistic, technical, or philosophical field. If only you'd give yourself enough time to pursue these ideas. Today, realize that concentration is the key to accomplishment. Put away periodicals, computers, phones, and other such distractions, and you might well be surprised by the wealth of inspiration that comes to you. I'm sorry, who the fuck is, what is a periodical in this context? A table? That's (laughs) what it is? Like a periodic table? Like a periodic table? (laughs) Like, I don't know what they mean, because it went from periodicals, which I assume is some sort of literature, to computers and phones. Huh. Anyway, put it away. I I did. I do that today, and I did create today. Oh, I, yeah! What'd I cro- you create? I crocheted. True, true. I made a a baby sweater for my friend who's having a baby, and I made them a little hat. Cute. Yeah, and I'm gonna make them a little stuffed animal later this week. I have to go pick up some yarn, and uh, yeah, so I did. I did create today, and I'm pretty darn proud of it. I Beauty. think it turned out cute. How how nice. Yeah. So it was on point. Yeah, we're that on, one point was today. on point today. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna say yeah. All right, I've got yours here. Mm -hmm. You think of yourself as fairly modern in your thinking, don't you, Leo? But have you really been able to reject tradition entirely? Have you rid yourself of all the outmoded conventions that confined earlier generations? If not, today you'll be inspired to revamp your role models and lighten your workload. Equality in the home is just as important as equality in the workplace. Interesting. That is interesting because I feel like if they're suggesting that I have, I know that equality in the home is important, but I've never been as, uh, not not that I'm not aware, but understanding my equality in the workplace has been maybe harder to come by. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that I don't think about it or want it it's just maybe just harder to achieve Mm -hmm. but now maybe more important I did talk to you about the fact that I spoke to a woman earlier and kind of how that mentorship mentorship of like 
an older kind of woman is important to me kind of thing. So I don't know, but I feel like I've always felt that way. Right. So I don't know. I really don't feel like my thinking is traditional in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wish that I had the ability to choose who my leaders were and who my mentors were more often and that I wasn't kind of always part of organizations that had the same the same gender and uh like cultural background right (laughs) but sometimes you don't really have that choice right unfortunately but I mean you can I don't know yeah I guess you can it's just sometimes harder to find anyway I I will say (laughs) that my thinking is is modern but maybe I just need to be more conscious of it I guess yeah okay sure Sure. Thanks. Whatever. Sure. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, so this episode, basically Marie had sent me to this event at um, this estate called Akmar Estate in Hamilton, and they are doing the first open door thing for um, May, Mm -hmm. uh, in May, and we're going to go see it. And so I decided to do the story about this. Marie thought we had done this story. I think we may have researched the story before, but never fully did it. Girl, I feel like we, okay, I literally said to my sister, I think I might have jumped timelines or something or like entered into a different different reality (laughs) because I have a distinct distinct memory of when we used to record in your living room and we would both sit on your couch yeah and your laptop would be like right. on your little like right. coffee table thing yes and we would or my laptop we and we would sit on your couch and we would record together using like one microphone yeah. mm-hmm. and I remember that was like three years ago yeah, yeah and I remembered you telling me this story and I remembered specifics about this story and I what I remember literally like you telling the story, recording the story. And I said to you like, oh, yeah, the Akmar Manor. And I was like, open. I don't remember. I, I could say that I vaguely recall discussing a um, an estate or like a property near this area. But I don't actually remember doing any of the hauntings from this. I specifically remembered the part about the YTV television See, and show. I didn't. And so that part was weird because I would never know that information. No, of course not. And so so then it prompted me to go through our catalog of episodes. Mm-hmm. And I went through every single episode that we have ever made together. <laughs> yeah. And we did not record this episode. I know. And I'm concerned about where, what timeline I have jumped to. This one has my son in it, so I'm cool to stay in this one. Yeah. But like, I cannot, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know what happened either um i'm wondering if like the spirit ghosts of akmar are like oh my god coming and whispering in your ear that we need to do this story i know that they are trying to do everything they can to salvage this um Mm -hmm. estate Mm -hmm. and so i am really actually excited to talk about it because i think that it is a uh, an important landmark it would be nice if they did uh do some more 
with it yeah that could uh bring it back to life because it's a beautiful it's gorgeous it's gorgeous i would live there if it wasn't crazy haunted incredibly haunted and, yeah also just like a sidebar because this this property is close to another property that we've talked yes. about on the podcast before but the century manor that we've had on like we had the boys from the documentary from the century manor on um when i was on mat leave and uh unfortunately the city has sold the manor and sold the property and it will be demolished and there will be a long-term care home built on on its grounds so if we have a bunch of old people in our society who go to live at this nursing home and start seeing ghosts um that's why yeah i just hope that they don't get taken to the psych ward no kidding or like sent to the dementia ward because yeah they should have some like notices on right the like walls being like any ghostly apparitions are normal for this incredibly crazily haunted with like the horrors that happen there and so yeah i just worry i genuinely am worried for the people who end up living on the ground when you told me that Mm -hmm. i watched an episode of haunted conveniently right after like the day after Yeah, yeah and it was literally about a nursing home wow and a room in a nursing home yes have you seen this yes i saw it and yes. it, this woman was, she came in, I think, already haunted. Yes. And this, but this room is now forever, like, forever. been, like, not okay. It's yeah. like the spirit is still there, the yeah. demon entity. Taking souls. Taking souls. Yeah. Um, And I was like, well, hopefully that doesn't happen where Century Manor I know, was man. because this is literally the, like, the, the type of shit yeah. that could happen. I'm nervous. I'm genuinely concerned. I wish that they had... Uh, maybe fixed it up and done tours, like paid tours. Yeah, or why something not make some money for nice. the city that way? Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, they just boarded it you, up. Do you would if you were a construction worker, would you want to go do work in that building? No, not personally. No, no. Um, they could have turned it into a nice park, though. They, they could have. They could have. Yeah, but that's not going to bring in it's the box. It's such a huge space. It's, it's giant, gigantic. Yeah, like Akmar isn't as big, but it is beautiful, and it does seem like there's a lot of interest in in making the existing building and the structure remain because mm-hmm. I do feel like Century Manor was a little bit more decrepit than Akmar yeah, is. Yeah, it sat. It sat for a very, very long time on touch, whereas this one yeah. um, was has basically been it, they had tours and they had movies and films and stuff yeah. come in. So they've maintained it to a degree. Yeah. But at the same time, it has kind of just sat empty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm okay, gonna do so that tell story me about it. Yeah, so I'm gonna tell you because she t- she says you did this, and I'm like I d- didn't, and I'd like to now know the story. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that story. Okay. And oh, and if you guys remember hearing this story, write in and tell me because maybe we jump timelines together. <laughs> maybe. Okay. Okay. So um, this I did. I got an article from UrbanCity.com. Uh, the spirited past of Buchanan's Akmar estate. And for some reason, the uh, article does not have a documented writer or author, but I assume someone wrote this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're from Hamilton, because I believe it was a native Hamiltonian that did write this, then I want to give you credit in our next episode. But this person wrote about it. So uh, that's where I got my information, and I also got it from a article in The Spectator, uh, just a couple points from an article in The Spectator as well, and the Wikipedia page about this. So basically, Isaac Buchanan was once referred to as being a man ahead of his time, 
And if somehow he could see what his beloved Akmar estate has become, would this be reason enough to want to go back in time and change the past? I doubt it because he had a lot of influence on how Hamilton's development has been. And I doubt that he'd want his legacy to be (laughs) taken away because his home is currently empty or former residence empty. But anyway, that's how they (laughs) set the scene for this. Um, Mm Because they are trying to get donations and people to pay attention to what's going on. So at one time, a beautifully landscaped garden and captivating architectural features used to lend beauty to the old manor on the mountain simply known as Akmar. It was named after Isaac Buchanan's family estate in Loch Lomond, Scotland. Buchanan was a well-respected and prominent merchant and politician in Hamilton and throughout Canada. During his time, he was elected to the Legislative Assembly for both Toronto and Hamilton, helping to establish the Free Church of Scotland in Canada West. He was instrumental in setting up the Board of Trade in Hamilton and also served as director in the Great Western Railway. Without the Great Western Railway, Hamilton would have been a country town. By bringing trains through Hamilton, it put it on the map, first into a trading center and then into an industrial center. And if that wasn't enough, Buchanan served as first commanding officer of the local 13th Militia Regiment, now the Royal Hamilton Light Infantry. Somehow, he also found time to raise a family of 11 children with his wife, Agnes. Oh my God. Yeah, pretty intense. So between 1852 and 1854, Isaac and Agnes built Akmar together a two-story Gothic manor located on the corner of Fennel Avenue and West Fifth, currently tucked behind tall trees and crumbling stone walls that have seen better days and has been called the Dundurn Castle of the Mountain. Many notable and dignified guests contributed to the allure of Akmar, including Canada's first Prime Minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, Pope John Paul II, and the Prince of Wales, who would later become King Edward VII. So... I went through and I looked at like they had stories upon stories of all the dignitaries and people who notable people who went through this place because I wanted to get a sense of who could have potentially left any energy or residual energy or anything. There were stories. There could be any number of people. They had parties there constantly. There were families that came in and out just like very, you know, wealthy people from all over the world if it wasn't so fucking haunted wouldn't that be just like a great event space well so it it is an event space as as well so remember continue yes (laughs) yes there it is please so i will discuss that later on okay sorry um so basically um Horse-drawn carriages transported the exclusive and elite up the escarpment and beyond the orchard line laneway that led to the front steps of the mansion our city was probably so beautiful before. I know. Before it became a steel town. I mean, it was he probably, made it a steel town too. I know this fucking guy. But it has <laughs> brought our economy uh, upwards. Sure. Well, imagine we were just like. <laughs> all farmers. All farmers chilling. still. That'd be Damn, wild. We'd girl. be just like Selkirk still. But like even Selkirk's getting more. But like. Yeah. It's just crazy to imagine that we'd be living on cisterns. and Just so like, they're saying like through the orchards. I'm like, orchards I'm, up in this bitch? That's amazing. Dang. <laughs> Apple picking in the middle of fucking Main Street? Are you kidding me? Okay, sorry. Anywho. Okay, so 
Lavish dinners aside, Buchanan's political career distracted him from his failing business interests, and he was forced to sell Akmar in order to move to a more modest home on James Street South. If he lived on James Street South, I feel like, damn, they need to just do some PR around that. Yeah, I wonder where, like, which property or, like, what, like, where on James Street Because those are very South. narrow buildings. They're beautiful Gorgeous. Victorian buildings, but yeah. they're narrow. And I love those. Don't I have parking, but I guess he probably didn't need that. Well, no, he needed his carriages to get. Every time I pass one of those houses, I say to whoever's in the car, "Yeah, remember when those were single family homes? Like, imagine if you lived in one of those oh, yeah. freaking houses. I know. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Anyway. So nice. Mm-hmm. So um, they ended up moving to James Street South. All the while, his chair's former home on the mountain sat dark and empty with nothing left but the forgotten ghost to occupy it. Isaac received a government appointment in 1879, which sustained him through his later years until his death in October 1883 at the age of 73. Several years after Isaac Buchanan's death, Akmar was sold to a military man from India named Captain Trigg. One of the first items on his agenda was to convert the Grand Ballroom, which was one, which once housed lavish parties, into a spiritual setting where church services could be held every Sunday. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Akmar returned to the Buchanan family in 1900 when Isaac's fourth son, James, purchased it back from Trigg. James lived there with his two sisters, Elsie and Helen, until 1926 when it was sold to Alan Vernon Young, a local textile manufacturer. Upon her death in 1951, Helen Buchanan was the last surviving member, thus ending the legendary Buchanan legacy at Ockmar Estate. The home became a rehabilitation hospital in 1926 when the Royal Canadian Air Force rented it from the Youngs. So, like Young Street Youngs, I'm assuming. It's spelled differently. Okay. Yeah. I'm wrong. I don't think so. Okay. But given that it was a rehabilitation hospital, I assume that spirits were yeah, that's prevalent. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, almost 20 years later, in 1945, with the war over, the Hungarian Sisters of Social Service, based, so nuns, mm-hmm. um, purchased the property for $32,000. <laughs> this was not even that long ago. Like, I mean, it was long ago, but it wasn't that long ago for $32,000. Two bedroom bungalows going for one point two million uh-huh. right now, and you've here. got a mansion estate going for, for thirty two thousand. Oh, <sighs> inflation's a hell of a drug. <laughs> um, they made an add-on dormitory that served as a religious retreat and spiritual center until nineteen ninety nine, when Akmar was officially purchased by the city of Hamilton. And this is where one chapter of Akmar's story comes to an end, and another one just begins. As with any old mansion, if it sits there empty long enough, word gets out that the place must be haunted. Stories are stirred, tales are twisted, and legend becomes truth. The unusual thing about Akmar is that nobody really talked about its ghosts until the last 20 years, Hmm. which they say is something that can happen where spiritual beings can actually be suppressed and then suddenly all kind of start to things become disturbed. And got it yes like work get, starts getting done and they're exactly. like hold on hold on hold Ex- on we were fine in here exactly right gotcha okay so differentiating differentiating akmar from your typical haunted location is that it seems to house ghosts from various generations like i said 
this is like ghost cbs yes like cody crane's show y- yes that's this what i picture incredible okay. yes um there are several strong spirit presence in the building some more prominent than others it is these entities that have a story to tell and perhaps now is the ideal time to share them one of the most common reasons a spirit will haunt a home is because it is a place that they lived in and loved when new owners come into their space and change things from how they knew it, feathers are ruffled and patience is tested on both sides, living or otherworldly. You may be frustrated because your kitchen cabinets always open on their own or your ring has gone missing only to appear days later in a completely different place from where you had left it. Both perfect examples from true real-life real paranormal cases. This could be a valid reason why Akmar is re- reputed to be so haunted. It shouldn't come as any surprise that most of the reports coincide with instances of renovations, repairs, or visual changes to the building, both inside and out. Hmm. So it isn't a far stretch to assume that the heavy cosmetic changes and faux details made to Akmar during filming at the mansion definitely stirred up the ghosts. The popular Canadian Harry Potter-esque TV show Black Hole High, a.k.a. Strange Days at Blake Holsey High, was filmed here from 2002 to 2006. And this is where many of the ghost stories come from, or at least ones that people were willing to talk about. Back when Black Hole High started airing on NBC and Discovery Kids in Canada, a public discussion forum was created specifically just for this TV show. Filming locations started to be discussed and Akmar was brought up, more specifically, its ghosts. Apparently, numerous actors and crew alike started having strange experiences, many of them sounding eerily similar. At first, people were catching glimpses of shadows dodging past them while standing in the main hallway on the first floor, until occurrences like that escalated into full-fledged apparitions. One incident tells of two crew members that were carrying some rather heavy equipment from the basement up to the main floor. Just as they reached the final step before the main floor landing, they both looked up to witness a little girl standing there above them in a beautiful vintage dress, only to vanish into thin air a few seconds later. Staff and crew reported hearing shrilling sounds of a young girl screaming, while others claimed that they heard a young girl giggling and laughing within close proximity. A full crew of set designers heard a scream from the second floor, but when they ran upstairs to check, the entire floor was empty with not a soul in sight. Years ago, a local woman recounted her creepy tale about the time she visited Akmar as a child with her father, an aspiring politician who had been invited to take a tour of the building just after the nuns moved out. She ventured off from her father to explore on her own and found herself standing on the second floor of the mansion when suddenly, from the other end of the hallway, she heard the soft giggle of a child, almost sounding like another little girl. She just stood there and distinctly remembers hearing the giggles getting closer and closer until suddenly she heard a voice whisper, play with me. No. Right in her ear. No. Yeah. Immediately Immediately, no. 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 It frightened her enough to quickly run down the stairs and jump into her father's arms to recount the experience. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Much credit can also be given to um, a friend of the author, Jill Mahoney, columnist for the Hamilton Spectator, mm-hmm. who in 2002 first shed some light on the ghosts of Akmar by interviewing the cast from Black Hole High. One notable quote comes from actor Lawrence Bain, who played the devilish Victor Pearson. He simply had this to say when questioned about the ghosts. 
Well, you tell me, how does a door that is locked and bolted suddenly swing open in the middle of the night? So that's basically what they were dealing with, I feel, on a day-to-day basis at that place. Oh, my God. Um, Michael T. Ness, director for several episodes of Strain Days at Blake Holsey High, was very open about his paranormal experiences at, at Ockmar. Along with the stories he had heard from others, the following is his account as relayed to Haunted Hamilton years ago and probably one of the most spine-tingling reports to ever come out of Ockmar. For one of our episodes, we built an old furnace in the basement. The furnace caught a cold and blew soot all over. Part of our effects team, Sean and Gary, were down there one day in the middle of the afternoon. Sean left for a short break, and when coming back, he saw Gary running up towards him, and he was taking two leaps of stairs steps at a time to get out. Okay. He's like, I'm going for a smoke, he replied when Sean asked, and Sean thought nothing of it. Then a white figure moved past him in the distance, slowly moving across the hall into the other room. It was obviously female and moved in the air with no feet. Sean froze on the spot and tried to make sense of what he'd just seen. When his legs came back to life, Sean ran out of the basement. Outside, he found Gary and confirmed what had spooked him. They agreed the apparition looked like a nun. They both noticed that she had no feet and seemed to be floating along the stone floor. Oh, my God. So basically, they were like, we both just saw that, right? And oh, my God. That couldn't have been just something we made up in I'm, our mind. I'm actually scared to go. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm really scared. That is a lot. Okay. So what now? There are many reasons why spirit is prone to unrest. But in circumstances like this, uh, one can't help but think that the spirit of Isaac Buchanan must be haunting Akmar too. After all, he has a very good reason to be. Crumbling walls, peeling paint, and sinking structures, all in a home that sits at the mercy of Mother Nature and, well, plain old time. There she stands, tall and proud, at the corner of the bustling intersection of the St. Joe's Healthcare Hospital. Akmar is a building that has stood the test of time and is currently recognized by the Ontario Heritage Trust as having significant historical value. It's just waiting for the perfect person to come in and breathe a brand new life into it. Um, Hamilton City Councillors recently, and at the time, this is not so recent, this was about seven years ago, turned down a proposal offer from a secret nonprofit organization that wanted to negotiate a private offer behind closed doors. And they were like, why don't you guys want to negotiate something? Yeah. But who knows? Uh, but it was also turned down by the city of Hamilton to turn into condos. So I'm glad they did that. Yeah, very glad they yeah. did that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, basically... Speaking of the events that we were talking about, so Stephanie from Haunted Hamilton, remember when we did our live show? I still want her to come on our podcast. Yes. Yes. But when we did our live show, she couldn't attend. Yes. She was hosting her event at Akmar. I thought she was doing it at the coach house. No, she. I think it was in 20, maybe it was the following year. No, it, was, it couldn't have been. Okay. It, it couldn't have been because it was COVID. Yeah. So they have not had it accessible. So that was the year she did it at wow. at Akmar. And she said that she used to volunteer there. And basically her whole haunted everything started with Akmar. I need to have her on this show. I know. I'm going to reach out to her again. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So she was just like, I, this, this is, this, the history here is just everything that has made me interested in, in the paranormal wow. and made Hamilton she's like I can find ghosts in every corner of Hamilton but yeah Akmar started it all 
So that's cool, right? I'm so glad that we told this story again in our minds. I mean, we may have, I don't think I, I don't recall telling the story. I really don't. How do I remember about the little girl? I feel like you maybe read it when we were researching stories about Hamilton. But I remember you telling me about the TV show. I fucking don't know, man. Whatever. No big deal. It could have been another. It could. There. There's. Hamilton also is known for other places that do films and television. No. Hauntings. This was specific. To the little girl. Because then I remember telling my sister about it. Right. Saying, you know, that building or that beautiful mansion at the corner of West Fifth and Upper James. We did an episode about it, blah, blah, blah. And then my sister was like, and I was like, I really want to get in there. Like, I wish I could yes. get in there. And my sister was the one who told me they do tours there. We took mom there for Mother's Day one time when oh. I, I was living in Ottawa. So I wasn't oh, there Oh, you weren't with there. Okay. And she's like, yeah, we did a tour with mom on Mother's Day. And it's funny because this is now happening again in May. So I'm assuming it's going to be another Mother's, Mother's Day event. Day. Yeah, it's a Mother's Day event. Yeah, maybe yeah. my mom will come with me or Stephen yeah. and my baby. Oh, because you're a mom now. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a mom now. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Anyway. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I'm excited to because I'd like to check it out um, mm-hmm. eventually and see what is up there. But now that I've told the story, actually remember, I will actually remember telling it this time. Yeah, please. I just don't think I'd forget the name. I just can't imagine myself forgetting okay. that name. It's a very distinct name. I also, but I feel also that like, if you were researching this story, you would have been like, oh yeah, I remember doing this now. Totally. Right? Yeah. I'm telling you, I jump timelines. Anyway. Um, anyway, so. Let's, let's move on to our my next st- story. Well, let's take a break. Yeah, let's that was take a, a little break. Yeah. And then we'll sure. move on to the next one. Okay. Okay, so I decided to do this story because I got a message from my friend Taylor. Taylor is also not just my friend. She's a friend of the podcast. She donates on our Patreon. She's lovely. And she said, hey, Marie, have you ever talked about the Waterdown Library in your podcast? I remember my mom taking us there when I was little and telling us that it was haunted. And I just thought of it out of nowhere. And I Googled it. And then (laughs) she sent me a link. And then she said, apparently the ghost haunts the place because of a spelling error, which is the exact kind of petty shit I would do. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, that is incredible. I need to do this. So, so, um, I got my information from flamboroughhistory.com. I got it from, uh, sorry, there was two articles on flamboroughhistory.com. Mm-hmm. Then there was a um, article by Judy Partridge in the Flamborough Review. So I also got some info from there as well. Okay. So uh, this article started with a quote from the head librarian in Waterdown, and I'm going to start with that. And she said, now... I don't believe in ghosts, but I can tell you there are a lot of people who won't use that elevator. Interesting. And before I even go into it, my friend Taylor also said, I asked my mom if she remembered it and she was like, yeah, that creepy elevator. She always made us take the stairs. So here we go. One of the thrills experienced by many visitors to the Waterdown Library is a chance to see the Waterdown Library ghost at work. Yep. 
Waterdown does have its very own ghost, a friendly, mischievous, and very knowing phantom who is the source of several incidents that appear to defy explanation. So um, basically, in these articles, they look at different stories and events that have occurred since the former East Flamborough Township Hall was renovated and became the new home of the Waterdown Library and the Waterdown Library ghost. So in 1978, the former East Flamborough Township Hall on Mill Street North went under renovations, and it was like a huge renovation. During the work to the interior, they installed an elevator so that they could enable wheelchairs and senior citizens to visit the second floor. And ever since they installed the elevator, it's been taking unexplained trips on its own, which is like, okay, maybe faulty wiring, whatever. Sure. Let's continue. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, the library staff thought that there was something wrong. So the elevator company who uh, had installed it came back to examine the machine. But the manufacturers and the inspectors reported that there was nothing wrong with the wiring, nothing wrong with the mechanics of the elevator, and it shouldn't be behaving in such a strange way. In quotes. According to Mrs. Lorraine Eastwood, which is the head librarian who I quoted at the beginning of this, Mm -hmm. the elevator didn't perform for the repairman and it didn't perform for the representatives of the Ministry of Consumer and Commercial Relations, which is the provincial ministry which regulates elevators, which I didn't know there was such an entity. I did not know Um, that either. And so I mean, thank God there is. Uh, there, well, yes. <laughs> and so she said, he sat there for two and a half hours waiting for it to do something, and it did nothing. And as soon as he was out of the door and away, it went up and down three times as if it was sticking its tongue out at him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So library staff have looked for, like, common denominators to, like, explain what's happening with these elevator trips, including the times that the elevator is moving empty yes and they can't find anything okay no links have been found okay over the years the head librarian mrs eastwood has noticed that the elevator makes more trips when the library isn't open but when there are strangers in the building so i guess if they have closed events Uh. and people who normally aren't in the building are in there okay Gradually, the librarians have become so familiar with the ghostly travels of their elevator that they are no longer even the least surprised or startled when it starts moving on its own. Frequently, when the door opens, there's no one inside of it, obviously. Many adults react skeptically to the stories that just because an elevator appears to move completely on its own, there's no reason to consider it haunted. But a series of strange coincidences surrounding the library elevator and the two tombstones that are mounted on the wall right next to the elevator doors have have convinced many people to say that the library is haunted. Are they real tombstones? Yes, we're going to get into it. Uh Uh-huh. So... Almost certainly the most widely publicized performance by the library ghost occurred in February of 1985 during a special taping by the Burlington Cablenet Television. Prior to the library opening on Thursday, February 7th, 1985, the library had been turned into a TV studio for taping interviews with Mrs. Eastwood and the Flamborough Review publisher, John Bosveld. These tapings were for future programs about Waterdown. Okay. 
According to the article that appeared in the Flamborough Review the following week, Mrs. Eastwood explained the history of the Waterdown Library, including the various locations that the library has had over the years. She then explained how the library came to be at its present location and how the two tombstones came to be mounted on the wall next to the elevator. Then the elevator suddenly engaged and allowed an invisible audience to exit, which caused considerable amusement to the camera crew. Mm Mm-hmm. Mr. John Boesveld then joined uh, Miss Maureen Dawson of CableNet, and the two began a discussion prior to the interview. While they were outlining some of the interesting stories the review had covered over the years, Mr. Boesveld mentioned the story surrounding the discovery of the gravestones. Again, as if on cue, the ghostly rider descended to hear the story of the tombstones. What? Taping of the actual interview began and eventually turned to the story of the tombstone's discovery. As soon as that part of the interview ended, the elevator quietly opened, closed, and ascended mysteriously to the second floor. Yeah. So every time they talk about the tombstones, someone's coming down to listen to them talk about them. That's hilarious. And I'm like, this is me. This is me. Like, oh, what are you guys saying? Yeah, what are you saying? What are you saying? For sure. I'm fucking hilarious. 100%. (laughs) That goes as a Leo or Gemini, 100%. Right? 100%. Yeah. To Mrs. Eastwood, this was the most obvious demonstration by the Phantom, as every time the tombstones were mentioned, the elevator reacted. Later on the same day, Mr. Ken Boswell, the editor of the review, came to the library and interviewed Mrs. Eastwood about the elevator's strange behavior. Within seconds of focusing his camera on the tombstones, the doors opened and remained open long enough for two photographs to be taken. Whether the Waterdown Library is haunted by a phantom or the string of unexplained actions by the elevators are pure coincidence, the ghost is now part of the library's history. Mm -hmm. It certainly no longer startles the library staff and to the many patrons of the library who've seen it in operation. It's just another library patron who calls the building home. So the tombstones that are mounted on the wall of the library are associated with the early history of the village. The markers commemorate Alexander Brown and his wife, Marin Grierson, the first settlers in the area that was to become Waterdown. The spelling of Marin Grierson's name on the monument reveals an error that explains why these stones are no longer in the Union Cemetery on Margaret Street. The engraving incorrectly records her name as Marion. When these stones are compared with the large polished granite monument for the Brown family that is now in the cemetery, the correct spelling of her name had been used. Right. So they replaced the tombstones with a monument to these people. Uh And then they were like, well, we don't want to throw out their tombstones. Right, right. They're marble tombstones. Yeah, they're expensive. So they kept them in the library. (laughs) From the monument inscriptions and through research at the Flamborough archives, the story of these early residents can be told. Alexander Brown was born in Scotland in 1776 and emigrated to Upper Canada in 1802, supposedly as an agent for the Northwest Fur Company in York, which is now known as Toronto. When the company was dissolved, Brown and his future wife and brother-in-law James Grierson settled in East Flamborough Township. Brown purchased property from Crown, from the Crown uh, Lieutenant Alexander McDonnell, and it was 800 acres that stretched from the fourth concession to the shoreline of Burlington Bay. That is so much space that yes. he bought. Yeah. Um, Holy. Yeah. So. 
Talk he, about generational wealth. Right. He was called the white man of the mountain by First Nations people of the area. He was the first settler in the township to locate on the escarpment, constructing a sawmill on the Grindstone Creek near the Great Falls, which attracted others to the area and started the community of Waterdown. Hmm. One Sunday afternoon in May of 1978, while walking along Nelson Street, two residents noticed cemetery stones lying on a lot being redeveloped for new houses. When they inquired about them, it was revealed that they had been used as a pathway to an outhouse on this former property of Jacob Burkholder, who was the caretaker and the gravedigger for the Union Cemetery. Okay. So he's using them... As to being get a, yeah. a stepping stone yes. to get to the bathroom. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're like, these are clearly gravestones, yeah, you but they be can't doing that. read what they say on them. Of course. So the stones, they take them, obviously, and they'd been carefully cleaned. And that's when these inscriptions were made legible. Oh. And they were like, I guess through time, they apparently were facing down. So they didn't. They couldn't know see the, that they he probably were, just put them down as like path stones and then because he someone, didn't have any. Not him, but like someone along. Like, sure. Uh, many. They're from the 1700s. Sure, sure, sure. So sure. someone along the way, possibly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Wow. So how they arrived at this at this lot is a mystery because that's not where their graves are. Right. So, okay. Um, but Mr. Burkholder probably rescued them when they were replaced by Alexander Brown's descendants in the 1950s who they just dis- they noticed the the, the discrepancy in the name or yep. the misspelling yes. in the name and they wanted to have other members of the family remembered so they replaced them with the present marker that's there right. so they were probably like hey caretaker we don't need these anymore and he was like i'll repurpose them as stepping stones to the bathroom okay the mystery is solved yeah so the stones were taken to the flamborough municipal office for safekeeping later in the year to ensure their preservation arrangements were made by the waterdown centennial committee and the wentworth library board to have them placed on an interior wall of the former east flamborough township hall when it was undergoing the renovations to become the present Waterdown Library. Associated with the tombstones is the legend that Marin Grierson's ghost haunts the library because of the spelling mistake in her name. Yes, that My makes sense. petty angel. I yes. love her. Um, so yeah, when there's an editor's note, so I just wanted to re- add that when plans were being drawn up for the new Waterdown Library, which is now on Dundas Street, there was never any hesitation that the tombstones had to move with the library. As the Flamborough Archives was being included as a partner in the building, it was felt that the best place for them to be housed was within the archives. Right. So what ended up happening to the old property where the old library was, the old township hall, which had turned into the library, which is now who owns it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, the old location uh, went up for sale and the building was bought by a group of brothers. Uh, it was bought by Andrew, Nathan, and Nick Brown. So descendants of, of. Marin Grierson. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in November of 2016 and restored to be the home of Brown Lawyers and Brown Financial Security. There we go. And I wonder the, if they now just hang out with their descendant in the... I think she went with her tombstone. Oh, she went with she's her tombstone. Gotta, okay, she's got to go enough. enact... Uh, 
Yeah, her petty revenge. Her petty for revenge her. Against her. I, I'd like she's to like, know this her is birth a library date. What's her and there's a spelling mistake. She's here? got a Scorpio, <laughs> Gemini, right? Gem- we can Scorp- Google it real Let me quick. See. Okay, so she was born February 22nd, according to huh. records. However, back then, it would take weeks, sometimes months, to file a birth certificate. So <laughs> she, Aquarius. Could, she could be Aquarius. Uh-huh. She could be Capricorn if we're really stretching the date. Yeah. But most, most likely, likely Aquarius. Most likely Aquarius. I, however, cannot get her rising or moon because no astrology online charts go back to before the 1700s. The 18- so, yeah. They won't go back be- before 1800s. So, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's all we know. <laughs> so we know she's an Aquarius. She's an Aquarius. I mean, she's got some type of fire and air rising and moon. Something though. in there. But she's got a. I will say that I've been like bluntly corrected by aquarians in my time yeah so i wouldn't say that they're that's like not what's powering that but who no. knows my brother is an aquarius my older brother and i feel like this is the this is what he would do yeah. like for sure i'm like that is him so that's pretty funny okay well okay let's do some uh well we're in aries season and let's do some fuck mary kills for aries which is i want to say like my third favorite season really probably Maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably, yeah. Okay. So it, it goes it goes Leo, Gemini, Aries for me. Oh, I'm number two after And then Leo? Libra, That's I think. That's so nice. Oh. The reason why, the only reason why, and this is selfish, but Gemini season is like a precursor for me to Leo season. Oh, okay. That's fine. Whereas Libra season is after, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, you guys are just trying to be Leo season, but you're not- that's how I feel about my it. poor son. Your poor son. Um, <laughs> okay, but it's fine. And I've actually Libras have said that to me, so that's not just me okay. saying that. Okay, uh, got it. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You go first. No, you go first. Oh, I go first. Yeah, okay. it's it's your um. Sure, I will go first. Yeah. So my three are. Oh, I we've done him before, but I always want to include him. That's fine. Uh, we're gonna say Paul Rudd. Okay. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Okay. And Pharrell. Okay. I'm going to go with, oh my God, how can I pick? I know those are good ones. Those are like high tier ones. I'm not killing Lady Gaga. No. She's a treasure. She is. Did you see the way she interacted with Liza Minnelli? She's a treasure. Just an Angel sent to Earth. Mm-hmm. I'm marrying Lady Gaga. Okay, that's fair. I've got reasons for this, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for it. That's okay. I'm having sex with Pharrell Williams, and I'm killing Paul Rudd. No. <laughs> there is a rumor no. going around. No, I don't want to hear it. That Paul Rudd is immortal, and I would like oh to my test God. that theory. <laughs> That is a good reason. That is a great reason. But if it doesn't turn out. Because he doesn't age. You're fucked. I'm going to get a skincare routine before I kill him, though. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to have sex with Paul Rudd. I'm going to marry mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. And I'm mm-hmm. going to kill Pharrell. Those are my, that's my final answer. Okay. I'm doing Eddie Murphy. Okay. Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. And Chance the Rapper. Oh, okay. Hmm. Jackie Chan is a really nice person. I think I might 
marry Jackie Chan. Okay. Um, Chance the Rapper and Eddie Murphy. I think I'll kill Eddie Murphy and uh, have sex with Chance the Rapper. This is also my choice. Choice. Selection. These are my choices. I don't think it was a hard one. It wasn't too hard, but, but like I do really like Eddie Murphy. I know, But at right? the same time, if I had to choose, I feel like I would rather engage in sexual uh, intercourse with Chance over Eddie. That's, yeah. And I'm not going to kill Jackie Chan just because he's a treasure as well. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Okay. Sweet. Well, that showbiz, baby. <laughs> Stay spooky, everyone. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And check out our Etsy store, Stay Spooky Boutique. Yeah. We got, our, um, we got an order. Uh, Elisa, I am getting that together for you. Hopefully, it reaches you before uh, next week. Definitely, it won't come before the this airs. So you'll hear this. But yeah. Anywho. Love check you. Check it out. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.